Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Genesis 22 and 15 reads like this. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. Verse 16 is where I wanted to get. And said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son. I like that little, by myself have I sworn. God had spoken to Abraham. He's told him to take his son Isaac to the mountain and sacrifice him. Because Abraham was obedient, he didn't have to sacrifice Isaac. But because of his obedience, the Lord wanted to make him a promise. And he said, I've looked around and I've tried to find somebody, something to swear by. And I just swore by myself. Let's go to Hebrews 6 13. Now Hebrews 6 and 13 kind of explains Genesis 22 to us a little bit. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater he swear by himself I love commentary I love to I love to get in books about the Bible and read what other people think but in all honesty whatever we need can be found in this book and Hebrews is just writing a little commentary on Genesis the writer's saying he looked around and he he tried to find somebody greater than himself And in all his infinite wisdom and knowledge, God just couldn't find anything greater to swear by, so he swore by himself. You may be seated. I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes tonight from the topic, There's Just Nothing Too Big for God. I understand that's a complex title. I know that 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 shows that I'm a linguist and a wordsmith, but bear with me. You, You see that it's a fact that There's a scale to measure everything known to man. It's the nature of humanity to measure everything that we come in contact with. We want to measure anything. We want to put it into perspective. We use the Richter scale to measure earthquakes. We measure liquid and water in gallons and liters and cubic centimeters. We measure length and feet and inches and centimeters, meters and kilometers. We measure time and seconds and minutes and hours and days and years and decades, centuries and millenniums. We measure speed in miles per hour, kilometers per hour, light years. Uh, We measure weight in pounds and ounces and grams and kilograms. We we may not agree on the metric system or our standard with the rest of the world, but uh, the bottom line is everybody everywhere measures everything. Nutrition is measured in calories. Some of us get more than others. Energy is measured in joules. Light is measured in watts. And the greater the unit in question gets, the greater the unit we have to measure it. And if we don't have a unit great enough, we make something up. That's what science does. If it's so great we've never seen anything that big before, we just make up a new word. We make up a new unit of measurement. We measure sound in decibels. We measure force in newtons. We measure wealth in dollars. We even measure people. 
There was a minister by the name of Robert Baer that penned a wonderful message called The Incomparable Christ. And the essence of that message was that for every man that's ever lived, his equal has lived somewhere on planet Earth. And that's the bottom line is we measure humanity by other humanity. Uh, take no offense, but if a, new, if a basketball player gets drafted to the NBA and, and we think he's really good, you'll hear people say, well, he's no Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan, he set the bar. He was greatest scorer. And hockey, which I'm from Louisiana and I don't know anything about, but uh, if there's a new player, uh, they measure him by Wayne Gretzky. He set the bar. It's, he's no Gretzky. In baseball, they say names like Babe Ruth or Hank Aaron. He, he's, he's not him. Or in football, maybe it's John Elway or... In Indiana, it's probably Peyton Manning. We, he's no Peyton. If there's a new writer we begin, that begins to make a name, uh, we say he's the next Hemingway or he's no F. Scott Fitzgerald. We need, hear a new voice on the radio. We say, well, she doesn't sing like Whitney Houston. And a new musician, well, we say he, Beethoven, he's not. And if there's an artist, we'll say he's the next Picasso. Or an intellectual, we'll call him Einstein. Or politicians, we'll compare them to Ronald Reagan. It is our way to measure everyone and everything. We can't help it. We have to have a means of putting things into perspective. We have to have a way of seeing just how great a situation is or a person or a problem or a thing. Viewing everything in a way that we can know how great or small it is is just human nature. But in Genesis and again in Hebrews, when the subject came up of God Almighty, when it comes to God Almighty Jesus Christ, there is just no system that can wrap our minds around the magnitude of His greatness. Even He Himself looked around and He said, in all my knowledge and all my wisdom and all my creation I've looked around and I can't find anybody greater so I'll just swear by me I'm telling you tonight I'm not asking you I'm exclaiming how great is our God it's not a question it is a statement of exclamation and praise how great is my God in Psalms 147 and 5, he's all-knowing. In Matthew 19, he's all-powerful. In Revelation 1 and 6, he's almighty. In Hebrews 4 and 13, he's all-seeing. In Psalm 139, he's everywhere. In John 8 and 58, he's eternal. That means all the time. In John 3, 16, he's all-loving. In Joshua 1, 1 and 9, in Matthew 28, he's always with us. There is no aspect of God's personality which we can measure. There there's nobody greater than our God. There's just nothing that can measure God. And the beautiful thing is the psalmist wrote in chapter 22 that he inhabits praise. So when you walk in here on a Sunday night and your week's been rough and your day's been terrible and you're tired in your body and you're weary in your spirit, if you can provoke yourself to just a little praise and worship, just one hand in the air, just one toe tap, just a little bit of singing, that God who is immeasurable moves into this house and in his presence there's liberty. In his presence, there's freedom. In his presence, there's joy unspeakable. There's peace that passes understanding. God is so powerful. 
so big that the starry sky was created by the breath of his mouth. So infinite that he spoke the worlds into existence with just a word. So if that's the case, if God's that great, I ask you what would be too big? What would be so big that he could not accomplish it? What would be so wonderful and so immense that the God that spoke worlds into existence, this very same God that's everywhere all the time with all power and all might, what would be, I know this is simple, you guys wanted revelation, you'll get it next Sunday. What would be so big that he couldn't accomplish it? In a word, nothing. There's nothing in this world or any other that's too great for God Almighty. The book of Ephesians said it like this in chapter 3 and verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. That means that your imagination is not big enough to think up a problem that God can't take care of. In the book of Exodus, the Red Sea was not wide enough. In Joshua, the Jordan River was not swift enough. Jericho's walls were not thick enough. In the case of the Hebrew boys, the fire was not hot enough. Tyrants like Pharaoh, Caesar, Herod, and Hitler were not hateful enough. In Matthew 14, the wind was not strong enough and the waves were not high enough. The cross was not painful enough. The grave cave was not dark enough. The stone was not heavy enough. And three days dead was not dead enough because there's nothing too big for my God. I understand every person in here has got problems. We could go from person to person and pew to pew and talk about each other's problems and have a pity party that would not end. But I don't preach to problems. I preach to your potential because I know you're God. You understand that there's no situation that humanity can dream up. There's no amount of torment that can exist in your mind. There's no addiction. There's no marital problem. There's no issue with your children. There's no sickness. I don't care that they measure things like cancer in stages one, two, three, and four. There's nothing too big for God. There's no situation too great for God Almighty. This is as good as it's going to get. People tell me all the time, you don't know my situation. And I'm, I, I'm a little more polite than this, but I'd really like to say, then you don't know my God. That's why, Brother McGee, I can believe anybody that tells me there's a church in Mount Carmel, Illinois that's going to have a revival of three, 300, or 3,000. Not because I know this church, but I know your God. I know the God that inhabits your praise. I know the God that hears your prayers. I know the God that honors your commitment. I know the God that sees your sacrifice. I know the God that spoke the world into existence moves into this house on a Sunday night when you begin to praise and worship and and there's nothing too big for God. I believe in this church, not because of your talent, not because of your ability, not because of my ability, but because your God is all powerful. He's all knowing, he's infinite. There's no beginning, there's no end, and there's nothing too big for him. 
I choose to preach to potential rather than problems. I, I choose to preach to revival rather than discord. I, I choose to re preach to praise rather than problem. But my marriage is, but my God is, but my kids are, but my God is, but my mind is, but my God is, but my spouse is, but my God is, but my health is, but my God is. I understand. It's, it's not new. It's not great. I'm not preaching revelation about the temple and the candlesticks and the golden laver. I'm not telling you about 10 million angels. And, but I have become disturbed recently. It seems like as a church, at some point we forgot that even when there's too much month at the end of the money, God's still in control. About six months ago, probably longer than that now, eight, nine months ago, we left men's conference in Maryville, Tennessee because my grandfather was so sick that he couldn't hold his head up. We, we diagnosed him all the way home. We WebMD'd it. There was all kinds of things wrong with him. It was either a stomach virus, the Ebola virus. Could have been a common cold. We decided it was gallstones. We let him be sick all the way to Louisiana and got him to a hospital. They told us it was stage four cancer. They said, uh, Mr. Mayo, where your, where your stomach connects to your, your throat, there's a mass and it's so big that it's closed off your ability to swallow. And when the doctor walked in, he looked at him and he said, uh, now, sir, you're 84 years old. You've lived a good life. So whatever happens, I just want you to know that, that, that you've lived a lot older than a lot of people live to be. And my grandfather's sitting up on one elbow in the bed. and He said, you're going to die. Thanks, Doc. Everybody dies. No, in all seriousness, he said, and then he said you, you could have anywhere from three to six months. We're going to see if we can do surgery because that would give you maybe a little bit more time. And I watched my grandfather. I expected him to fall apart. I expected him to just be broken because he, he's not, he, he loves life. He's joy, unspeakable, personified. He's just, he's happy and bubbly all the time. And he looked at a doctor. He said, no offense, doc, but I know somebody that's higher than you. And we're going to talk to him. I tell you tonight, he's cancer free. He sits on a front pew in Amwell, Louisiana tonight. And he praises and he worships because I understand that old age may get to you, but it's no excuse because there's nothing too big for God. I'm telling you, there's no issue too great, but furthermore, there's no problem too small. Whatever the issue is, take it to God. Sure, I've seen him heal cancer. I've seen him heal diabetes, but I've also seen him heal allergies and arthritis. There's nothing too big, and there's nothing too small. Whatever your problem is tonight, why don't you take it to God Almighty? Before you worry about it, why don't you pray about it? Before you talk about it, why don't you pray?
pray about it. Before you Facebook about it, why don't you pray about it? Before you Instagram, tweet it. Why don't you take it to God? Because there's nothing too big for my God. Today's Mother's Day. You guys care if I talk about my mom a little bit? My mom is a, is a flower fanatic. She's addicted to plants and yard work. If you can think of it, she's either growing one or she's killed one. She loves to work in the yard. She's got this beautiful backyard. I mean, it could be in magazines. I'm not, I'm not just bragging because she's my mother. It's, it's gorgeous. And, and a few years ago, they've got this nice cypress fence around that backyard. And she decided that that unfinished natural wood just wasn't natural enough. She decided that this rough cut wood with no paint, no stain, no varnish, just wasn't natural enough for her backyard. So she goes somewhere and she finds uh, English ivy some people saying, uh-huh she plants it at the base of that fence and it begins to grow and it's just beautiful it's it, it takes over that entire fence and it, it's just a living a uh, living fence there in the yard I, you never it's natural It's just, it's, it's every, day, every day growing. And, and in her backyard, there's this beautiful pine tree. I mean, it's, it, it's 36 inches in diameter and 40 feet to the first limb. Gorgeous. This living fence. I know you're laughing. Some of you are mentally rolling your eyes. You're saying, where's this bozo going with this? Just hold on. This living fence grows beyond the boundary of the fence. It begins to take the pine tree. It's not long till you can't even see the needles on that beautiful tree because there's ivy. And it's growing off of it and it's hanging. She decides it, that just doesn't look good. Now here's the thing about English ivy. You don't just kill it. She went and got her some, some Roundup. She sprayed around the base of the tree and it wilted for a day and two days later it was going strong. She said, I'll just cut it down. She goes and gets, she gets her little yard hand shears and she goes around the tree and she cuts all the vines and it never even wilted. It's still growing. So my dear, beautiful, sweet, talented, praying mother Walks to that tree one day in exasperation. She says, I curse you in Jesus' name. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Within 48 hours, every piece of ivy on the tree was dead as a hammer. Now that's funny. 
It's hilarious. It's cute. It makes, a, it, it makes a real funny story when you're preaching in the north and you're from the south and you can say it with real hick words. But the bottom line is that if you believe it, he can accomplish it. I don't care if it's just a little thing in everyday life. I don't care if it's just a matter of your finances. I don't care if humanity created the problem. God created humanity and he can fix it. I'm telling you, church, there's nothing too great for my God. There's no level of addiction that you don't need 12 steps. You just need my Jesus. There's nothing too great for him. There's nothing too big. There's nothing he can't accomplish. In the last five years, I've literally seen him unstop deaf ears. I have literally seen him open blinded eyes. Twice in the last five years, I've seen him raise people that were dead to life, but I've also seen him fill teeth. I've seen him unstop ears that just had an earache. I'm telling you, church, you may discount it and not even pray about it, but it's not too big and it's not too small. There's nothing God can't accomplish. But you don't know my story. You don't know my past. He said, I am before Abraham was. That means he's bigger than your past. But I'm defenseless. You don't know my situation. He said, I am the shield. And that means he's bigger than your enemies. I'm lost. He said, I am the way. And that means he's bigger than confusion. I've been deceived. I'm the truth. And he's bigger than deception. Life's not worth living. I am the life. I'm bigger than death. I'm hungry. I am the bread. He's bigger than you need. I'm thirsty. He He's, I am the wine. He's bigger than any spiritual desert. I, I need religion. I am the high priest. He's bigger than religion. I'm tired. He said, I am rest. He's bigger than fatigue. I'm depressed. He said, I am joy. That means he's greater than stress. I'm alone. He said, I am love. That means he's bigger than loneliness. I don't care how big your question is. The I am is the answer. There's nothing too big for my God. I remember, you were there this morning. I don't know why I'm telling so many stories this weekend. A few years ago, we were headed to General Conference in Chattanooga. What's that been, three years ago? And mom and dad were going, and I was going, and we all happened to be leaving from home. Dad said, son, I've got a little business I've got to take care of in Natchez which is probably an hour and a half from our hometown. He said, do you mind to let your mom ride with you? I'll meet y'all there. We'll have lunch, and then we'll continue on the conference. No sweat. It's good. So mom and I got in the car, and it was 8.30. She said, son, one favor. I need to go by my allergy doctor. I don't know why I'm telling you guys this. Just bear with me. Stay with me. Um, I need to go by my allergy doctor and get a shot before we leave town. She takes allergy shots, has every month for years. I said, no sweat. Let's stop by the allergy doctor. We're there when they open. She gets her shot. We get in the car. We haul off to General Conference. 15, 20 miles up the road. She says, son, something's not quite right. And, and she, she showed me her wrist, and there were these little red bumps popping up. She, she was scratching that wrist. I said, well, let's go back to the doctor. No, no, we don't have to go back to the doctor. We can stop in Natchez at the emergency room if something's wrong. 10 or 15 more minutes down the road, she starts breathing real deep in her chest. I can, I can hear her chest rattling. And, and, and she said, son, you can speed up. I said, mother, I'm driving 100 miles an hour. 
we begin to converse back and forth and she begins to make statements like now son the most important thing is that you live for God people are going to hurt your feelings but you just keep living for God and I'm thinking why are we having this conversation I'm locked in on the road because we're going a lot faster than we should be. And, and she's telling me things like, now, now I, I understand you're going to be offended at times, but, but don't give up on God. I'm thinking, What's going on here? What's the deal? What's the situation? And I made a mistake of looking at her in the passenger seat. When I looked at her, her lips had begun to turn purple and her face was turning blue. And she's gasping for air. She calls my dad and she says, now, Kurt, we're going to stop by the emergency room in Natchez. And I just wanted you to know I love you. You can stop by there if, if you get a chance. We're going we're gonna to see what's going on. I'm having a little reaction to my shot. But I love you. I just wanted to call and tell you. Five or six times in two minutes, she says, I love you. Now, they've always had a strong marriage, but she's never called and said, I love you six times in two minutes. And it dawns on me at some point that my mother is absolutely dying in the front seat of my car. And, and church, I'd love to tell you that, that I had enough faith that, that we stopped on the side of the road and had a 15-minute prayer meeting. I'd love to tell you there was a three-day fast and I was walking in the Spirit and got out and walked across water in, in, on the side of the road, but... To be honest with you, my faith was as fragile as it's ever been because I began to panic. I said, Lord, what am I going to do? Lord, what, where am I going to turn? And the entire time I'm thinking these thoughts, her breath is getting shorter and we're nowhere near an emergency room. And I must tell you, there was no great faith. It was nothing on, this, on my part. But I, I laid my hand over on her back. And I said, Jesus, you've got to do something. Just like that. There was no, there was no anointing. There was no spit. I didn't growl, Jesus. It's just Jesus, you've got to do something. And when that wonderfully divine, beautiful, powerful, excellent name left these pathetic lips, she went, <sighs> and she looked at me and said, son, I think I'm going to be all right. I said, well, we're, gonna, we're still going to stop at the emergency room we're, just to be safe. We got there. They're waiting on us at the door with a wheelchair. They wheel us back in the examination room. They start giving breathing treatments and doing x-rays. The doctor came in, said, Miss Mayo, you were going into anaphylactic shock. Your organs had already begun to swell and shut down, but there was some little glitch that stopped them, and now they're back at their normal strength and their normal size. She sat up in the bed and said, Doctor, somebody said the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, church, if it could happen then it can happen now there's nothing too big my god there's nothing no situations too great what is your problem tonight would you give it to my god would you allow him to take over take your hands off of it and speak his name because there's nothing too big for my god If you got an issue, why don't you take about 15 seconds and just begin to talk to him about it and see if something don't change. Just begin to whisper his name and then talk about your problem. I guarantee you something will begin to happen in this house.
I understand you may not exactly understand everything that's going on right now, but the presence of God has moved in this house and there is absolutely freedom in this place. You are no further than a walk to an altar from deliverance. You're no further than a trip to an altar throwing your hands up and saying, Jesus, from healing, I absolutely believe that the presence of God is strong enough in this house that he can fix any situation. There's nothing in your life too great for God to handle. There's nothing beyond his control. Tell you what, there is a story in the book of Luke that probably every evangelist that comes through here references. It's a story of the woman with the issue of blood. We all identify with her because she had issues and we got issues. She's the one character in the New Testament that we can really see her humanity. We can see her frailty. We can see her lack of confidence as she sneaks through and presses her way at the feet of Jesus. She's not, she's not running to get to his hands. And, and, and here's the thing. I've heard preachers preach my whole life that she had reached the pinnacle of her desperation on that night. I'm sorry, but I don't agree with that. Had she not been desperate, she wouldn't have given all her money to doctors. You don't give your money to a cause that you're not desperate about. And I understand that Jesus said, Daughter, thy faith has made you whole, but I use the same argument. She had had faith before. She'd been to the pinnacle of her faith before. She wouldn't have gone to a doctor. But the difference on that afternoon was that she made her way into the presence of Jesus Christ. She put her faith in the presence of a God that can accomplish anything. And in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul begins to write about Satan and he calls him the prince of the power of the air. And I know I, I said I was done and I'm real close, but I want somebody needs to hear this right now. In this day and time with our technology, we've quite literally made Satan the prince of the power of the air. People in this city right now are decimating their lives with things that they're doing wirelessly over their cell phones. Young people are absolutely ruining everything they are with things they're viewing wirelessly over the internet. We have literally made him the prince of the power of the air, but it's also spiritual. If you don't believe it, let it get quiet in church. When it gets quiet, we want to clap, we want to yell, we want to scream. Because there's something about that silence that makes it hard to have church. That's why altar calls tough at times, because it gets so quiet, people are afraid to step out. And I would say that in that air... That prince of the power of the air, when we get quiet at an altar call, it gets tough to step out because of that very power that's in the air. But just like that woman with the issue of blood, if you can muster up just enough courage to begin to press your way through, press your way through your issues and make your way into his presence. Church, over the last several years, I've seen a lot of people get a lot of things. But the percentage of people who get what they need by stepping out and coming to an altar is much greater than those who get it any other way. 
I can come back to a pew and I can lay hands on you and I can pray for you. And, and sometimes you'll get what you need, but more often than not, you still leave wanting something. But if you can allow that desperation, if you can allow that faith to push you out of the end of a pew and begin to make your way into the presence of God, I'm telling you, I believe you can get whatever you need when you leave this house. I know it's gotten quiet, but that's for a purpose. We've proved we can shout, we can dance. If I can scream loud enough, you can help me. But I wonder, are you desperate enough to make your way into his presence? Is your problem big enough that you can walk to an altar, throw your hands up, and say, God, my issue's yours. Jesus, my problem is yours. I'll cast my cares on you, and when I leave this house, I'll be different. Would you stand with me and begin to pray? Lord, I love you, Jesus. God, I thank you for your presence. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.